Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. Okay, welcome to a special uh, Red Agenda with The Athletic. We're putting the focus on one of Jürgen's uh, closest and most trusted assistants. He's Liverpool's goalkeeping coach, John Akterberg. Welcome to the, uh, the pod, John. All right, how are you? So, Sai, all good? Yeah, great, thank you. Lovely to have you on. Great to have you back on. And of course, it is the, the international break. Is, is it offering you anything of a, of a bit of downtime in the Liverpool camp? Um, yeah, we, we get the, a week off um, and everyone get a special programme for the players who are not on international duty. But obviously, you do look at the next opponents and try to get the session ready for when you're back and stuff like that so although you have a little bit spare time you still have to or keep running and and do the fitness and get the sessions prepared if you like so but all good we're going to do a little bit of a historic journey because you've been at the um, the football club for what 12 years now it's some journey you've been on with liverpool just before we get there yeah. I'm interested. We're, we're we're on Zoom at the moment, and right behind you, you've got this incredible picture yeah. of you and the and the coaching staff. I don't know whether yeah. you can just turn around, maybe just give us an idea of what this picture means to you, where where it's from. I mean, obviously, I can see where it's from, but just tell people listening what it means to you, who's alongside you, and what it sums up. Yeah, it's basically all the the closest staff to the team now, the boss and Pep. Corny and Ray, who is the team manager, Jack, my assistant, and Vito, who is in charge of the younger players, and Pete, the boss, his analyst, assistant uh, manager as well. So obviously winning the winning the Premier League now after 30 years, it's uh, it's uh, wasn't magic time and day, and hopefully we can prepare and do it again now because that's the aim from everyone in the club and the players. You know, it's always your dream to win something like this. But yeah, you also want to do it again and and keep producing it, really. But it's not easy because everyone else wants it as well. But you have to work hard for it. And hopefully we can try it again. You've got your arm clasped around Jürgen there. Yeah. And you, you just look a very tight-knit group. Do you, do you often look at that picture? And, and is it does it serve as a motivator and an inspiration to you? I mean, it's all about teamwork anyway, you know, with the players and the staff, you know, we need everyone. Uh, obviously, there's a lot more staff than this. You have the visios, uh, you know, the scouting uh, department, Michael Edwards department, of course. So the kitchen department, nutrition, everything. So it's it's a big team and you need everyone to produce and, and do the best they can to prepare the team the best they uh, can to have success and the owners of course put that in place by investing in in that to to make things like this happen so and and yeah of course uh, you have to then work together as good as we can yeah, john i i quite like a night out so what, what was the better celebration the champions league or winning the league yeah that's easy no <laughs> and it's a shame it's a shame that we didn't uh, be able to do the league how it should have been because I think it would overtake the Champions League uh, right because people were going to fly in all over the world really to to celebrate and uh, I think everything was booked out in Hall Liverpool and in my opinion there were already one million on the street when we win the Champions League but I think when you win the Premier League it could have been double that I would say you know and that's for 
only for that we would love to do it again to see it one more, more time really that would be amazing did the players and the staff talk about that you know that that's a real motivation that okay you've won the league but yeah without having the hit of of the celebration yeah of course because the all the supporters it's a big family no we all uh, want to do the same and 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 uh, wanted also to gather to uh, celebrate it and that is yeah it was a really i don't know if it's frustrating but for sure um we wanted that more than ever to do that with the players especially also after 30 years but you know we cannot change it so hopefully the only way we can change this is to try to do it again and hopefully we can john be, be honest with this one when you think back to last season yeah. Was it was it a little bit soulless? Did it was it not really the Premier League? Obviously, you lost your crown as Premier League champions, but actually, the fact there was no fans in there and the way the season was played out, does it almost feel like there's a little bit of a line through it? Yeah, of course. It, you know, in the home games, you can see it every time. You know the, how much that uh, means to the players as well, and and how much. The players get fired up by the supporters, no, because it does make you work or run twice as hard. I think anyway, you know. Uh, now it was empty, so it's no really atmosphere, if you like, and you need that really to make the extra step. I think to to get more determined, and it should not be like that. But it's human that things like that then doesn't work as much as it should. Have you got as much determination as the team had to end the 30-year drought as to actually win it in front of the fans now? Yeah, I still have the same hunger and, and determination. You're always looking to, uh, to do better and improve. And um, yeah, I don't know if it's a, a kind of greediness, but you need to have the kind of greediness to always want to be better and, and, and find better and do better and... and you know, the moment you don't have that, that is the moment where the quality goes down. And that is an each individual that is the same. You know, if you are a player, you need to create your own hunger. You need to create your own readiness and, and do the right things day in, day out to be ready. And that is in every position in, in, a, in a top club. You, you need to be the best and expect to be the best. And that's what you want to be and and want to do so john just just uh on, on the, the theme of celebrations uh, i know you enjoy a celebration when a, go a dramatic goal goes in late on and we've seen you on the pitch a few times i mean can, can you is, is it possible to express how that feels you know when you know that something um special has happened it's a match-winning goal you know, do, do, do you feel like a player then? You know, like the way you did when you were a goalkeeper playing, you know, a, tr yeah. a Tramia, or, or does it does it feel different to that again? Do, do you sort of, does almost fan mode take over? Because I've seen people doing exactly what you do, which is, it's great to watch. I think it's, it's brilliant. Yeah, but it, it's also a pressure release, no? Because people think it's an easy job, but you, you have every day, you have pressure because, like I said, every day, Everything has to be perfect, you know, the training has to be perfect. You want the, all the goalies to be perfect, you know, uh, everyone has to stay fit, you know. So there goes a lot in, you know, to think about what we need to do training-wise, uh, what the opponent does, uh, what do you have to prepare for them, uh, the best to prepare them for the games and stuff. So, you know, you're on the big games also, you're, and, and even the small games, you always uh, have the pressure, you know, we need to win, we need to win, and we need to keep a clean sheet, and we need to do well. And, you know, and if you then score, uh, you know, a winning goal or, yeah, um, to drag this game again over the line, that, that where, is where the celebration comes from, really. Um, I did celebrate when I was a player as well. Um, but, you know, when you're in the game, it's a lot, it's a lot easier to, to, uh, to do than when you're on the side because you have not everything in your hands. You can only try on around the game to try to make everything perfect. 
but obviously when you're on the uh, not on the pitch you cannot uh, affect it really so uh, so yeah i think that is a little bit the situation it's like a precious release in my in my feeling when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. John, you've had 12 years at the football club, so let's sort of trace that that journey and how you you first arrived at Liverpool. I mean, can you believe it's 12 years, first of all? Because not many coaches, not many backroom staff that high up in top clubs yeah. with, withstand that sort of time period. Well, it's still 12 years to show it in my feeling, but, um, you know, it's my, my passion and... and I cannot call it a job. It's you know, it's just uh, it's my uh, yeah dream thing to do really. And I, I would do it in every club. I, I and I would do everything I do here. I would do it if I was in a different club, you know, because that's the passion I have really. But yeah, it suits me being here because as a player, I always wanted to be perfect and. Yeah, I always have the drive, really. So, uh, and that didn't change. To be in this club is amazing, uh, and and you see actually when you go into how big the club is, and and you know, people can only see that if you are on the inside, really. If you go onto and you see how much it does to the people, uh, you know, and obviously everyone are big supporters with gives you also pressure because people always also want us to be perfect and 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 win really so but uh yeah i have never people say sometimes oh you must have a day where you don't want to go and work and i can tell you now i never had that one day you know <laughs> not as a player and not as a coach you know and and that won't happen you know um it, it's yeah that's why i say it's yeah, you they call it work, but it's for me not a, a, a job really. I think you're pretty much known as a student of the game, aren't you? Was that the case when you were at Eindhoven? And how did John Aldridge make the move for you and, and get you over to England? Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously played, I think, in Holland. Uh, I, in my hometown, I was the number two goalie, so I was there six years three years in the youth and three years with the first team as the number two. Then I, I moved to NEC in Breda. I was there three years too. I played 14 games in the Premier League, but then, yeah, the other goalie had 10-year contract. So I wanted to be number one, you know, and uh, I, I the bossman rule came in. So you could jump without, uh, because they not give me a three-year contract, but I wanted to play. So go to Eindhoven to play. Well, it was the division below, and I thought, you know, I can jump back uh, from playing, get more experience. But uh, when I started there, I pretty quick realized that the level was, no disrespect, but a lot lower than when you were in the Premier League uh, in Holland. So, and I got really frustrated because I wanted always to win and be perfect in training and off training, and that didn't happen always there. So, yeah, I wanted to leave. I got a few injuries. Utrecht wanted to re-sign me. And they asked too much money then um, because I was still in contract. And then, obviously, in two years, my, my contract ran out. And then uh, I, I was still injured. So I go to train at uh, Willem II, where Sami Hippie was uh, at that time to get fit. So I did the preseason, and then obviously in Holland, all the clubs were um, uh, sorted because in Holland, the, the team signing the new players already in April, where in England that start normally uh, when the preseason starts again. So, so uh, yeah, the agent uh, sorted me a trial at Tramir uh, because obviously they said 
um, the goalie getting sold uh, to Everton. So, um, and then I went there for two weeks on trial. And obviously, Aldo was the manager, uh, and Chidi was assistant, and um, and Neville Souter was the goalie coach. So, you know, two weeks I was there, and. Uh, after the two weeks, they uh, liked what I did, and they said they want to re uh, sign me there. So, but they still had to sell the goalie first. Uh, so, uh, when they sold in, they got me back. I think uh, two weeks after I left already. John, what was it like training with Neville Southall? I mean, he, I know this is obviously a Liverpool podcast, but he is regarded as. Um, Arguably one of the greatest British goalkeepers ever, um, and you know, massive personality. Yeah, must have, must have been quite a, an introduction to to British football, I suppose. Yeah, of course. Um, actually, he was one of my favourite goalies uh, as well when I was obviously in Holland. Uh, so then. To train with a legend like that as a coach was was good, uh, but uh, you know he was really relaxed in training, to be honest. And he brings some banter, but he was actually driving down from Dover, where he was still playing. Uh, so he came, and, and we had only goalie training, I think, two times a week or something. And and after that, we uh, after one year he left, and then uh, Eric Nixon came full time. But he, he drove from Dover on a Tuesday night straight to Tramir, slept in the car and then trained us at 10 in the morning. And then after an hour goalie training, we had two hour team training. So it was like three hours nonstop getting beasted. But, you know, it also, I always see the positive side on it. So it was hard work, but also improve you uh, mentally and, and, and learning a lot of yeah, getting fitter and, and improve your levels, if you like. So, John, did, did you think um, as your career progressed, Trammy, you would stay in football? Was that always the intention? And, and also, how, mm. how did the move to Liverpool come about? Because I remember at the time that <laughs> it's fair to say the club was in a bit of, you know, a bit of turmoil. There was a, there was a lot going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah, obviously, I you only find out later that uh, there is a lot happening uh, behind the scenes. But um, basically, I always was uh, thinking I'd become a goalie coach. Um, I already started in Holland uh, when I was at Eindhoven. I did the whole academy there. I did uh, a local team in, in my, uh, around my hometown. I did the whole academy there and the first team goalies training. So, so I was already... 24 doing uh, coaching after playing training I go to coach uh, most of the the days and uh, did all the licenses uh, some in Holland and then some when I came to England when I came to Tramir I already started pretty soon to do some goalkeeping days and stuff um, but the chairman in the club uh, was not so keen that I carried it on. So uh, then I had to park it for a few years because obviously probably they wanted me to focus more on the football than do all the coaching. But when I was about 32 or something like that, I um, I started back up and then did uh, the whole academy in Tramere and I'd make my own goalkeeping schools, one in Liverpool, one in uh, in North Wales with Flintown and then one in in in, uh, in, in Birkenhead. So from there, I tried to find goalies to sign for Tramere and I signed a few out of that. Tramere never um, had any goalies who made the first team out of their own youth system, really. Part from Joey, I think, who they uh, got from Ireland. So, and after that, they always had to get people being released. So I changed that. And then they had some goalies who make uh, the first team. Luke Pilling obviously was not the tallest, but made the first team. Joe Collister made uh, some games in the first team. And uh, Andrew. Uh, I forgot his second name. He made the first team and then played later for Wrexham. So, uh, and then obviously Shamal, I, 
I took, uh, who was now playing for Colchester, I, I, I found him and then took him from Tramway to Liverpool. So I, I know how to work it, if you like. And yeah, and then, you know, I was 37 or 6 and I needed to do my uh, goalkeeping uh, A license and the outfield A license. So I did the outfield A license. Then the goalkeeping A license, I had to. Um, I had to do a, a, a study at the a, a Premier League team, so that's what they said. So I sent some CVs uh, or faxes to Everton and, and and Liverpool if I could come and watch the training because uh, that was needed. So I didn't get reply at the time. So um, one of the coaches who worked with me in in my goalkeeping school said, "I know." Uh, the reserve team goalie coach Billy Stewart at the uh, Liverpool. So, so then he asked if I could watch uh, the training there. So I went there, and then Safi Falero was there uh, watching the training. So got to talk, and then he asked me if I wanted to watch the training the next day um, with the first team. And uh, yeah, so I went there. Of course, you want to watch, and then I I made. I had the questions how we did things and stuff like uh, so uh, just to know uh, what they do so I, I i wrote it down and spoke to him after and and that was it so i text them all uh, you know thanks uh, for this and uh, then obviously went finished the a license and that this was probably in in november or something like that or october and and then out of nothing in February or something, uh, Safi texted me like, uh, "You want to meet for a coffee to, you know, to talk about goalies and stuff like that." So that's how it went. So I met him a few times. I, I had wrote in the whole uh, cycle from what I think goalkeepers should be able to know and learn when they are from six up to the to the first team, basically. And after the second time we met, I said, you know, this is how I see it and how I, I think. And I gave it to him and, and said, let me know what you think about it. So and that's how it went. And I think in April or so, he or he said something like after the third times meeting, uh, if I was interested to do the 23s and the academy. And yeah, I was 38. So, you know, it's you can maybe carry on because I try to keep fit always to play for two more years or go and make your next step with a really good chance to join Liverpool. So there was not a lot thinking about it. And so I jumped on that and uh, and that's what happened really. And then obviously started with the 23s and, and the academy. Then um, obviously... Benitez left in that summer after one year and uh, it was Benitez who offered me the contract. So, um, yeah, then uh, Sami was uh, with the first team and he still stayed on from uh, being the assistant with uh, Benitez and said, John, you need to start the preseason here. Rui Hudson's coming in, but he has not got the goalkeeping coach yet in. So, started there after one week uh, on the first day he said yeah i bring my own goalie coach so he, then you go back to the academy i said yeah no problem so started there and uh, after one week obviously he wasn't there um mike kelly and then i went to uh um tour and after the tour he said on the on the flight back uh, john i like really what you do and I want to keep you with the first team and uh, you can help uh, Mike uh, with the first team goalie training. And that's how it, how it went, really. Um, that was a little bit the journey, if you like. You've had a unique insight into the evolution of the club over the last 10 years. And obviously, as you mentioned there, with, with various different managers. So yeah. what, 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 what sort of state do you, do you think the playing squad was in and the club was in 10 years ago when you first entered that sort of first team world and Roy Hodgson and obviously then yeah. Kenny Dalglish. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, 
you feel that there is an issue because uh, there was not a lot possible. You know, it was difficult to get things. You know, if you wanted to have, uh, um, say, paper printed uh, with goalie sessions on and stuff to write down, that was difficult. Everything was difficult to get, if you like. So that was one. And if you look at the playing squad, uh, there was not all the uh, top players. Yeah? Stevie obviously was the main top player. And, you know, Caro, uh, of course, was a, a really good defender as well. And, and then the rest was not top here and there. You have one good player, but not really top players, if you like. And, and some were actually um, average in other teams and then they came to us really so if you look back for a top team then you see that there is issues you no know, we only signed uh, very cheap players or free players and and you know um i think that if you look back that was then at the time the issue and then obviously the club gets sold uh, and the new owners come in and from that moment everything goes to the right direction if you like because everything was possible and they created the environment that everything had to be improved and be better and yeah people from the outside they they don't see that too much but you know you can only see that they build a new training ground and they build the new stadium but actually anything we need for the team we can get we can we can get equipment for the training we we can get uh, a new laptop if we need it uh, everything you know you see the nutrition how it is changed uh, everything around the team is changed and improve everything gone to an unbelievable level now and and it's been made a top sport environment by the owners and and i think people don't always see that and um, and I think we should be happy that this happened and yes yeah everyone wants to sign Messi and and Mbappe but you know it has to fit in the structure we, you also have the rules with fair play and I know some teams can do different things but they are really follow the rules and that's how they did and you know, you see it uh, with other teams. They have the Red Sox. They didn't win before they started there, and they win the World Series with the baseball. So they do have a good thing. And then, obviously, they changed the, the scouting structure. Michael Edwards got in with the scouting team in charge. And then, in the end, obviously, signed the boss. What makes the next step? When the boss came in, you can see everything change, you know, uh, then there was uh, a top manager who basically changed the whole atmosphere in the stadium by the way he, he coached and kept the people in the stadium because before they always left early and then created the team because in the end, you know, you can have good players, but the managers still need to make it a team because, you know, if you haven't got a good manager, then that is from my experience over all the years, then, yeah, that won't happen, you know. So he really created that, I would say. John, just before we speak about Jürgen, obviously from a personal perspective, you you went, um, you, you sort of worked under four different managers before he arrived. Yeah. Um, like, is that unsettling, that process, when there's people coming and going and they might want their own their own staff? Sorry? <laughs> I know you're distracted there. I don't know who's, yeah. <laughs> who's in the room with you, but yeah. um, when, when you when some there's a lot of managerial changes from your own yeah. personal perspective, is that is that unsettling? You know, do, do you think oh the manager might new manager might want to make a change? Um, and how how do you deal with that process? Because before Jurgen came, I think there were four different managers at Liverpool. Yeah, I, I mean, when the new manager comes in, you always have to wait and see what happens. No. Uh, because uh, you you never know what happens. Stability of the assistant manager. Huh? You can explain. <laughs> uh, Pep is just coming in um, <laughs> to explain the teamwork we have here. Pep Linder's adding some quality to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
but uh, yeah, Pep and, and I were obviously allowed to stay the last time when Klopp came in. And, and allowed? Uh, yeah, we were allowed to stay. <laughs> Pep said we, they needed us. So, um, but uh, yeah, you know, spoke to us really when the boss came and uh, that we are staying to help also the boss with how things happen and bring keep the level in, in the club. So. It, it, it's funny how he's become much more aware of what he's saying now, Pep's in the, in the, in no, the background. But, but, but that's true, no? If there's a new manager comes in, you always have to wait and see what happens, no? Yeah. Because it's not, in, it's not in your hand. And if a manager has his own staff and he wants to bring his own staff, then everything can change. That's how it is, no? Uh, and, and, uh, and, and we can only do every day the work we do and try to be the best we can in the hope uh, that we can carry on with it. And that's what we wanted. So that's how I see it anyway. I thought it was really interesting when you were talking about the infrastructure and perhaps what the fans don't see, but you see as a, as a management team or the internal team and how FSG came in and, and yeah. meant business straight away. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, did you, did you feel from the very word go with FSG that, it was all about success. Yeah, they they explained it uh, when they came in that uh, they wanted to be successful and, and win things. They are not here just to stabilize the club, but they wanted here to win to win trophies and bring Liverpool back to the top. And obviously, they make every time the steps with it. And the major step was to bring the boss in, really. That, that's how it is. So what's that? Six year? I think we've just seen the six year anniversary, haven't we, of Jurgen's arrival? Um, do Do you feel like he's brought an identity back to the football club, John? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think I think uh, a club like Liverpool has a special way of playing and entertaining. So you need to find the right manager, and I think that's what the club in the end did. No, they looking on managers who play attractive football and and done well before and obviously uh, Jürgen showed that where he was with Dortmund with less money than Bayern and still challenge them and win the league and win uh, trophies there and his attraction playing wise and style um, obviously works perfect also, how he was there with Dortmund and his supporters, it's a little bit similar. Although Liverpool is probably two, three times bigger than, than, than Dortmund in, in terms of fan base. So, and, and that's what he did, no? Uh, I, I will mention Pep because uh, he, uh, he's, in, he, he's in the office. I already did. But, uh, but obviously, yeah, Pep... Uh, he, he is good in explanation and, and he had to do all the training really because uh, the assistant, uh, Selko at the time, he didn't speak uh, too good English. So Pep did all the training and, and, uh, and discussed what he had to do with him. And, and then the boss uh, stepped in uh, if he was happy or not happy and bring the tactics uh, over together. John, does he does he pay a, a key interest into into goalkeeping then, Jurgen Klopp? But what does he expect from from you and from whoever is Liverpool's goalkeeper? Yeah, he obviously uh, he, he got me an assistant in the end because uh, he was sick of me talking about goalkeepers. That's what he said. <laughs> <clears throat> but um, because I could turn every conversation. About uh, the players to goalkeepers. Pep is coming in now to say what he wants to say. Even when we speak about politics, he can change that into like a discussion about Simon in Belgium or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> everything leads back to goalkeeper, no matter everything, what. Everything. It's yeah. unbelievable. So you've been given a goalkeeping coach to talk to, basically, or to talk. Yeah, about. we we needed like to. So it's it's much less now. Yeah, <laughs> can now talk to Jack about it. But uh, yeah, no. 
obviously uh, you, you discuss with the boss everything what needs to happen about the goalkeepers uh, and you give always your opinion on, on it and the boss de decide in the end uh, what he feels is right and you give always your analysis on it you see it and and he can then uh, make a decision on that and sometimes he goes with your decision and sometimes he'll make his own decision because that's why he's the manager and that's what you accept and that's how how, how it is really so yeah we're not talking now every five minutes about goalkeepers but uh, on, uh, on the major things we will do if if everything with you comes back to talking about goalkeepers what is it with pep what what Pep always come back to talking about. Pep is only uh, talking tactics and uh, the next <laughs> opponent and every player in 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 Europe. What we could use for us to make us better, but he can tell them. Uh, he no, can no, tell no. you. If, Carl, so, Pep, what, what are you obsessed with, Pep? I'm obsessed. Uh, um, I'm obsessed with Liverpool, the club, and I'm obsessed with our team and our way of play. I think those three. Philosophy. Yeah, but especially our way, like how to evolve and how to make the next step and all these things yeah. on the training pitch, of the training pitch. But about Johnny, because the interview is about Johnny, there's not one goalkeeper, and I, I've, I've been in a lot of places, but there's not one goalkeeper coach with more passion than John. <laughs> so, example, I drive in today. It's, what is it, Monday? We have a day off today. And for sure, he was already in like at 8.30, but it's a day off. So... Uh, anyway, his car is the only car who's always on the car park. Yeah. It's it's dedication for you, isn't it? I think, uh, yeah, it's passion. Huh? So you only become, you're not born with it, I think. So he, um, you develop quality, I think, with uh, giving everything and like really think about things. So And I think we cannot have a, a better... Um, a better guy who leads this complete goalkeeper department. So, uh, we're, huh? He's, I don't know. I cannot say that. <laughs> no, no, but it's, it's true. So, yeah. You, you just, seem like, you seem like a very tight knit group. Yeah, but the, the, uh, I think that uh, better people make a better team. So, uh, you only, maybe there are better coaches or maybe better goalkeeper coaches or better whatever. But I think as a group, we are pretty good, so uh, I think this is the most important that you that you help each other and that you stand for each other. So, and that's what we try to do always. So, I like I like the stability in our club, and I like, despite what people say uh, outside our club, I like how we do things. We think about things. We know we know we need to overperform to reach certain targets. Well, that's that's how it should be, in my opinion, in football. So. Not not buying with yeah, anyway yeah. But that's not <laughs> yeah cool. Is, is, it, is it fair to say? Is it fair to say that you know across the coaching staff, you know that in terms of the personalities you're involved, it's it's obsessive people. Basically, you've got to be obsessed to to operate at the level that you're you're working at. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what I said. No, about the picture before, you need to work uh, always every day the best you can and want to be the best and always looking to improve and find new things to make everything better. And yeah, everyone in this department have to knit together to make this happen. And that is for most coaches and the players the same. This only can grow over years. Yeah. Like this process with, with this proper quality process, I think can only grow with stability, with a vision, with uh, a club who really wants to take things forward on the training pitch. So then you need to, huh? yeah. And we have our group together now. For we brought Fitter in, if what a coach he is from Porto. So we brought Jack in, so John can talk about goalkeepers to somebody else. <laughs> we, yeah, and that's it, huh? Yeah. And the old, no, and the rest is yeah. all together. For, yeah. I left for a short while, but yeah. yeah. You guys. Um, obviously devoted to the, the football club. I think Jürgen said in a recent TV interview that you can't lead a normal life being Liverpool manager. Do, do you feel that way? Is it not normal, Liverpool? I mean, obviously you've worked at other football clubs. Is it? Is there a different level of pressure and expectation for all of you? 
I think that's a good question for John. <laughs> I, I, I say that is every 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 training is pressure and every game is pressure. If that is in Pep's job or my job, we have to be perfect every day. Uh, we always have to think about this is the right thing to do. Do we have to change anything because we have to prepare the team as good as we can? And and I think that's for every department. The, the visual department have to keep, get the people in, in the in in the right frame, being ready for the next game. The scouting department they have to try to find us also new players. Uh, and then obviously uh, we have the, the kitchen department who give all the right food with Mona and and the su supplements for for the, the the players to be in the perfect shape so you know everyone has to be the best they can be and that's what we try to do really yeah because of the, 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 our playing group and our and the club deserves it that hmm. uh, we ha we have this mentality that we see the next game as the next final yeah, like have this mentality to change like <laughs> a simple rondo in something what makes uh what looks like a final, if you see how competitive our players make these kind of simple exercises, we have a very special group and um, they they really they really train. Mm. I really feel this as I they really train if it's their last training in their life many times. So and I think that uh, if you talk about um, we say always like 80% of the three points are made like on Monday, yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. By preparing, we really believe in this. So then you have to create this environment in the club, on the pitch. And if you talk then about pressure, that's 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 the pressure. But I think Shankly said it well. Like playing for Liverpool should be like a privilege. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, to prepare that and to do the right things, it costs a lot of energy, and that's that's our job. And we are used to that, so that's not really not a problem. The, the problem is if you're seventh in the table and you have only twelve games to go. That's pressure. <laughs> That's what we had last year. There's a different pressure. Yeah, Jürgen said just touching on that. Jürgen said that it was it was one of his you know biggest achievements in football to to get I back. I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, do, 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 does everybody feel that way at the club? I I'm, think, I'm, yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Why do you think the team is able to to turn it round and, and finish so strongly? Because the number of points Liverpool had uh, managed to achieve from the position you were in, Liverpool were in, was, was incredible, really. Consistency, momentum, uh, having the right players on the right positions again, uh, uh, playing with two centre-halves who were with us since six, seven years old. Yeah, Nate was later, but Uri's example wasn't. Uh, they gave everything and they gave us back like stability in other positions. Yeah. So they made big steps. Uh, of course, uh, different players make a different approach. So we had to learn as well in the season to find the right approach again, like with a different uh, tactical setup. But um, um, yeah, and, and then the players also fight, yeah, find so. the fight again, you know, to, to make sure that we drag the games over the line, I would say. And we have the quality on the field, but then it all knit together again, no? Yeah, it was, uh, for me, it was one of my, of, of, mm. for us, was one of the greatest periods. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. You mentioned the word evolution before, Pep. How, is, is it, how realistic is it to be constantly evolving with a team like Liverpool? <laughs> Because uh, um, because one, it's a team sport, so it means that uh, the better you work together, the better relationship between players come, the better you will perform. So that's always possible to improve, like the connections between the players. So a team sport. Uh, that's one, and second, the individual player, how whatever the age, and I think Millie shows this really well. There's always room for improvement. There's always room to become better. You never stop learning. And uh, these two combinations of improving like the individuals and improving like the common plan that uh, yeah, that makes that you make new steps. That's one. And second, you other teams become better. Other teams invest. So you need like 
to find new ways and uh, new solutions for different problems. And uh, we try to avoid these problems by being uh, one step in front of the concurrence. Concurrence? Do you say yeah. concurrence? The concurrence. Or the opponents. The opponents. Like, yeah, the, the, the main opponents. We mm -hmm. try to be one step in front of them. So that's why you need to evolve. And evolve has to do with different kind of relationship, mm -hmm. different kind of dynamics. And we had this year already. And now it's about you guys to find out what are the differences. <laughs> we have a lot of things we... we, we uh, uh, <laughs> well, tell, tell, maybe can you give us an example of like something you might be doing a bit differently this season, you know, in terms of, you know, people talk about marginal gains in football. Yeah. You know, is there a, what's the latest marginal gain that you've I, th I, th I think that's something for United and for City and for Chelsea to find out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it. No, you cannot say anything what we do to help opponents, really. So, yeah, but it's, it's a constant, uh, yeah, it's not, it's really cool, no? Yeah, but that's also, you know, what, what I said before you always have to be on your front foot, uh, and always looking at new. Uh, solutions and and finding out and looking at new stuff and and think ahead really and yeah. that's what keeps you uh, I hungry. I, th as well. I think with Ali example we found like a big mm. puzzle piece no yeah for this team and with Virgil we found a big big puzzle piece yeah in terms of uh, making the stuff with a good good with the mm. signing really improve the team yeah immediately and. Uh, that's one, but uh, for them to stay on a certain level or to keep improving as well, that's your job. Huh? And yeah, that, that's, that's what happened. So Ali yeah. is always, yeah, always no, improving. yeah, yeah. But you you always have to to talk to him as well and and say how you see it and you know he has he has the mentality as well, you know, and he obviously is a top goalie and you just try to help him to feel as good as he can and, and be ready as, as as good as he can really and you always talk to any goalkeeper really and you always have to keep finding the motivation and set yourself new targets if something doesn't go well can you find a new uh, solution to keep your mental uh, ready and, and and ready to go again and show people you know can you imagine why we brought Jack in? Because he just goes on and on like this. <laughs> I don't want to speak about goalie, John. I don't want to speak about goalie. Yeah, I think. No, I don't want. But you guys can speak now. <laughs> the, the, the problem is for 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 them. That's why I got Jack. Uh, is that no? It's they a can, joke. We they, didn't bring Jack in for you to speak. No, they they can focus more on the on the on the team. So that, but it's all good. Just one word on a, a present-day player who's blowing our minds, which is Mo Salah. Yeah. So if if you're a goalkeeping coach of a, an opposition team, yeah. how on earth do you prepare to play Mo Salah in his current form? Well, yeah, Mo, Mo is a little bit a player who does everything what comes up in his mind, so it's difficult to do, but you can try to recreate some kind of sessions Mo comes inside shoots so then you do an a uh, session where if a player does that all the time you make the same kind of movements although the level is not as high but we can still shoot the balls pretty good to try to tell the goalie if he does this you have to be in this positioning to have the chance to make the best save and and this is what the opponent basically does. If they play with pullbacks, we make reaction saves of the pullback. So you know if he can't cut the pullback out, that he gets in the same movement in line with the ball and then be steady and ready to make the save. If they block you as a goalie, you block, uh, get blocked for corners. You block the goalie and tell them what can you do to free yourself. Speak to the referee because they can look more at it. Stuff like that, you know. Uh, He's a goalie's worst nightmare, though, isn't he? I mean, you, you look at the goal against Manchester City. I yeah. mean, that, that, that is one of the great goals, isn't it, John? Um, yeah, them, them things happen, of course, no. Uh, but you have to find the right, right solution and, and hopefully he, uh, he, he finds the right solution at the right time in the game. But but you know, for instance, when you you got the goal conceded Burnley in the past when there was no far, where he 
for sure get blocked then you expect the referee also to be on that but in England you get away with it so you have to find solutions and you have to find a kind of aggression to deal with it and that's why you talk about in, in the week leading up to the game and make this kind of exercises to deal with it and you know that's basically preparing what the players do on the field and then you do it separate with the goalies and then it all knits in together and they work on it in, in the training the same. Don, can I just ask you about your relationship with with um with the goalkeepers? So when when a goalkeeper makes a mistake, do you feel a sense of greater pressure than maybe another part of the pitch? And equally when a goalkeeper makes a big save, do, um, you, do you feel a sense of I suppose pride and and achievements, or he's done something to affect the game that you've maybe worked on in, yeah. in the training ground. You, you you know you win together and you lose together. So if he if if he would do something wrong, you feel yourself the same because uh, yeah you pro- probably feel it more than an outfield coach because you know they 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 look more on a tactical mistake that they could have made in the game or something. But yeah, you're responsible for the goalie. So if the goalie doesn't do well, then you feel that yourself as well. That that's how it is. No, it would not put the smile on my face. That's for sure. And and that's what I say. If he does something good, then obviously you're also over happy. And you know you always work for clean sheet because that makes a chance to win games. John Actberg, you've been absolutely brilliant. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, and Pep Linders, of course, as well. Your, your right-hand man. He, he was superb yeah. on the pod. So thank you to Pep. Yeah, um, easier, so. Well. Yeah, thanks, guys. Top. top. Top man, Pep. Thank you very right. much for your, uh, yeah. for your time. Make sure you make a quick uh, end of it. Eh? You need to get on the golf field in uh, half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Chris Kirkland waiting for me. Yeah, so uh, thank you, very- Chris, and, uh, and Neil as well. Thank you very much indeed. Um, I hope everyone listening has enjoyed that. Brilliant insight from John Achterberg and Pep Linders as well. And Simon Hughes, of course, um, as always. That was another Red Agenda podcast for you. We'll have another one for you very shortly. Take care. See you later.